you are bringing a consideration of basic human values to each moment, then naturally, whatever arises in the moment, you will contend with that and you will be good. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Life Beyond Thinking. My name is Robert Pinto, and I'm the author and creator of Life Beyond Thinking. And this podcast is really focused around mental health and spirituality, but in a very practical sense in how we live in the world today in a very complex world. And we're really focused on three things, the simple truth, empowerment, and freedom. So if we can really tease out the simple truth, you're empowered to get free and stay free. And that's the focus of Life Beyond Thinking. Who you just heard was my friend, Billy Bickett, very accomplished executive, product developer, innovator, um, world traveler, and also a 20 year practicing Buddhist. Or as he likes to say, I'm not Buddhist, I'm Buddhish. And we dive into the concepts of Buddhism and how they apply and how he applies them to his work and his life. We look at things like skillful means. What is that and how do we use it to influence the world? Presence, wisdom, compassion, especially we tease apart. There's a whole spectrum there. We dive into lots of different use cases. And again, what does that mean and how do we apply it in the real world? Hope you enjoy it. Any feedback, any recommendations or suggestions, please send it to contact at lifebeyondthinking.com. Would love to hear from you. And in the upcoming episodes, we have got arguably one of the most successful sporting coaches in the world, in my opinion, and also the leader of the freedom movement in Australia, which is turning into a global initiative. Um, really fascinating talks. So if you're interested in those topics, please stick around, please subscribe. Also forward this to people that you know might benefit. Thanks very much. Hope you enjoy it. Billy, welcome. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks for joining Life Beyond Thinking podcast. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. So as a bit of background, let's just dive straight into it. You've, um, you know, I've known you a couple of years and even in those couple of years, you've traveled and lived extensively around the world. And I know you've mm -hmm. done a lot more than that. So I guess just your backstory, like, you know, how did you... How did you kind of end up with this global lifestyle? And, um, you know, where have you been? I'm just curious. Mm. Yeah, so I guess I, I guess I embarked on the global lifestyle full on around six years ago. I had been uh, kind of global in relative terms, like traveling for business and going to India as a young 20-something kid. But um, to be fully global, I, I, it, was, it was probably about six years ago. I left Berkeley, California for Hong Kong to be for a girl. Uh, <laughs> and, and so I, I like, took the plunge. I had been working remote for many years before that. Um, but I had never just left everything behind to, to just jump with both feet to live in another country. So... Um, yeah, Hong Kong about six years, uh, close to six years ago is, is when it really, when I really started, started just saying, oh, well, you know what? I'm going to, I've got a house in Austin, Texas. I've got some stuff in Berkeley at a friend's place. Uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to just see where this can go. And, um, that's, uh, you know, I had a good excuse because 
I kind of went to Hong Kong for uh, this girl who ended up becoming my wife. Um, and from there, um, we moved to Singapore about a year or so later. Um, the vertical nature of Hong Kong was just too much for me coming from Berkeley with big blue skies and riding my bike to work in California, Northern California. Hong Kong was just too intense. I mean, I had visited before, um, but living there in a 700 square foot apartment, the two of us (laughs) both working from home uh, and both in our late late, late 40s was just too much. Yeah, I've... um... Yes, I've lived in Hong Kong for about two and a half years, so I understand it. But we rode our bikes around and, you know, ran through the jungle and, and you know, I was just in a, a very different space. So then, mm. so so you're American, you've lived in Austin, Berkeley, Hong Kong. You're calling in from India. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 You want me to give you the rundown yeah, of places? Rundown. Where you, yeah. yeah. Okay. So born Bronx, New York, USA, 1973, uh, raised, uh, about 30 miles from the Bronx and in, uh, South, South shore of long Island, uh, left New York for the U S Marine Corps 19. That was sort of breaking my seal altogether, uh, left with nothing and, uh, was stationed in California after the first couple of years of training, Southern California. So Oceanside, California, Camp Pendleton. Camp Pendleton, I moved to Costa Mesa once I broke out of the Marines. Wait, wait tables, go to community college in Costa Mesa, Orange Coast Community College. That's this sort of coastal Orange, Orange County vibe, kind of weird, uh, <laughs> weird place, like perfect weather, but not exactly the place I wanted to put down roots. Moved to San Francisco from there as a early 20-something. Uh, lived in probably nine neighborhoods over the course of three years in San Francisco. This is the height of the dot-com boom number one. Mm-hmm. I'm going back to uni at that point. Um, leave San Francisco after I graduate college for Burlington, Vermont. Uh, while everyone was jumping on the internet, I wanted to jump back to the land, um, went back to Vermont. From Vermont, I moved to Queens, New York. After things fell apart, uh, I can give you the details, but I'm just giving you the cities right now. So Kew Gardens, Queens, New York at that point. From Kew Gardens, back to Brooklyn. Uh, From Brooklyn uh, to Upper West Side, Manhattan. Uh, Left New York City. Uh, after us.com for Boulder, Colorado, Boulder, Colorado, back to San Francisco. And I won't give you any more cities right now because there's like, it's just too long. So I've been in and out of San Francisco to summarize. San Francisco is the place I think of as home. Uh, And I've been in and out of San Francisco five times in my life already. Right. Five, five times. And then internationally, I mean, I know, you know, there's India, there's Thailand, there's Greece, there's Colombia, there's Mexico. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Many, many more places. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Well, you know, it's kind of hard to list them all. But basically, I since I, I don't know, I I think that, you know, when I was eight years old, I went to Italy for the first time, my mother's homeland. 
with my mom's sister and her and her husband, my uncle, my godparents. And I was eight, okay? And I, I my parents didn't have a lot of money at the time, but my uncle and aunt were doing pretty well. So I, I asked my aunt and uncle if I could go, and I kind of just really pushed it hard on them somehow. I don't know where I, I got the brazenness to do that, but I did. Because uh, they were going to spend the summer there, which they had done every summer. My uncle was like proper Italian. And uh, uh, my parents felt really bad that I was asking them to go f for multiple reasons. Like, you don't want to stick around. And also because they didn't have the cash at the time to sure. pay for me. Uh, but my godparents said yes. And I spent the su whole summer with my cousin, my two cousins and them. And I didn't. And when I spoke to my parents, which was probably like once or twice over the course of the summer, because it was so expensive sure. to do yeah. long distance well, calls, nineteen eighty. Yeah. Um, I said, "You should come visit. I, I, I don't want to go. I don't want to go back. I, I want to stay here." Yeah. And that was like the the trip that I just sort of felt in my skin overseas, and I, I kind of have always sought to get back to that place. Yeah. Yeah. Just curious, where in Italy were you? So uh, my mom is from a town called Catania or Militello, just outside of Catania, the east coast of Sicily. Uh -huh. okay. um, so we, we visited Militello, the old town where yeah. some family was. And then we did a tour uh, up north to Vittorio Veneto in the north, Venice, um, the Naxos, Taromina. Uh, yeah, we did a big, a big tour driving yeah. uh, for the summer. Yeah. yeah, love Sicily, love Italy. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, the reason for asking the question about all the travel is just yeah. seen and lived in all these cultures. And yeah. now I'm sort of going to jump around here a bit, but, you know, do you like, because uh, the, the through line of Life Beyond Thing, it's really around practical spirituality. Like how does this, and you've seen and lived in all these different places. Mm. Um, and do you call yourself a Buddhist or like, you know, what is your spiritual practice? Because I kind of mm. want to loop this back around to yeah. what you define as spirituality and how you've seen that play out in different cultures and how you navigate, you know, that in the world. So yeah, I guess, you know, do you call yourself a, a Buddhist or a spiritual person? Yeah, yeah. So you know, I don't, I'm, I'm very not big on labels um, yeah. at all, right? So um, I don't, I don't self-identify as a Buddhist. I, I identify as someone who has really studied Buddhist philosophy and, and the culture, Buddhist psychology even. Um, yeah. I, it, it really resonates with me. In fact, it, I, it re I resonate most with uh, that I that idea those ideas than any other religion I've looked at, right. but um, I don't I don't I'm not like a badge wearer. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I say Buddhist. I'm like Buddhist. <laughs> Buddhist. I like that. So actually, that's an interesting point. Just on on that bit, because you know people throw out this, you know, like Buddhism and Zen Buddhism, and you know, yeah. like I've read some books on it, and you know, yeah. So how would you? summarize those philosophies like if if you yeah. could like you know uh, yeah. are there a few core principles that are always top of mind and present for you yeah yeah i mean i i really appreciate the buddhists 
uh, principles around, um, it, it, you know, like <laughs> Buddha's uh, understanding of suffering in the world and how to reduce suffering or relinquish yourself from suffering resonates, right? The basic idea is that suffering emerges from um, our attaching or grasping to, to think, to, to ideas or things. Yeah. And um, if you look at that or examine that premise, uh, I, I think he was right. I think that's, that <laughs> there's something fundamentally true about that insight, right? Yeah. And um, when you look at that and start, um, you look at his principles and, and the principles of Buddhism uh, and you start integrating them or playing with those ideas in, in the practice, as they call it in the biz, uh, you know, you, 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 you can see that there is something there that, uh, about, um, you know, examining your mind and examining uh, your thoughts and trying to see what's happening in, in the in the present moment uh and and practice that as a as a as a thing you do uh day in and day out or moment to moment it, you, you know it's 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 sort of um it's become something that's second nature to me at this point yeah. um so yeah i bought into that practice you could say so that's an interesting aspect because people you know they talk about the practice and i've got a morning routine or you know they'll mm. go to yoga and walk out and give everyone the finger in their prius you know what i mean yeah. like yeah so is the practice compartmentalized like what is the practice is it yeah what is what is the practice yeah you know? yeah and yeah yeah i'll, ju I'll just give you my version sure. i'll give you my version because i'm not a a priest or uh and I don't want to be a priest, right? Um, uh, it's not it's not interesting to me. But but for me, what I've gleaned from uh, being around uh, pretty serious Buddhist practitioners uh, and and uh, going on retreat and uh, reading books is that um, the practice is about bringing moment to moment awareness of of what's happening. Uh, in the moment in your mind uh, without judgment it's 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 like it's like um, it's it's that simple right um, just, my, I'm, I mean my practice is steeped in, yeah it's like a mindfulness practice uh, so there's there's different uh, flavors of it so to speak but broadly speaking it's it's about uh, in the moment in this conversation uh, being being present uh, and uh, to, to what's arising, and mm -hmm. not getting caught up in in uh, some story that I that I might be thinking about or uh, wanting to influence you in some particular way mm -hmm. or uh, trying so, to sound 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 clever or yeah. something. It's 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 more just about. Um, being, you know, being in the moment, being sincere uh, with what is arising for you and um, trying to work with that in a way that um, has integrity and has sincerity. Um, for me, that's kind of how I, I think of it. 
Yeah, and that's beautiful. I love that because this is sort of getting into the areas where, you know, if I just read the definition of mindfulness or the popular one, which is kind of like that moment-to-moment awareness without judgment, you know, because part of me was like, okay, I'm mindful, now what? You know what I mean? Like it, it, Mm. it doesn't go to the next step or my understanding of it, which might be very, very basic, like, you know, Mm. You know, like I may not have even got past class 101 on it. But mm. what you said, it's about what's arising and with integrity and sincerity. So for me, it's like, how do you reconcile that with, and this is something that, you know, I grappled with for quite a while, is you have a, and in a, People have an inner purpose. Some people, you know, they feel lost and they're trying to find where they're going. But, mm. you know, people have goals. People have agendas in the world. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, so if you're on a business call, like there is a purpose and a direction to it. Sure. So, you know, there's this moment-to-moment awareness without judgment. Mm. But at some point, there has to be a judgment and a decision to move things forward. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, how do I we do. kind of move the world forward without just like, okay, we're all just here and we'll just disappear into nothingness? Or maybe that's the goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's a great question. And I, I, um, I, I remember feeling that, like, like feeling like WTF uh, as well about that with, with, with Buddhism or um, mindfulness uh in the past and here's here's my here's my understanding of it here's how i kind of look at it and take it for what it what it is in in the in the buddhist context there's this idea of skillful means and and the the idea of skillful means is that you're um you're bringing your wisdom your awareness your compassion to the moment uh, to to sort of uh, work through whatever it is you need to work through to get to your goals. So in the context of a business meeting, you know, one way of of approaching that conversation is um, a skillful way of uh, of addressing the issues at hand, introducing what my agenda is, introducing my goals, introducing how I think I can. Uh, serve you and meet, uh, provide you with value uh, and, and expounding on the different dimensions of how what, I, what I'm proposing seems, appears to make sense and opening it up for you to shape and kick the tires around and um, trusting that if I bring sincerity and integrity to that conversation, First of all, I'm bringing a level of sincerity and integrity to the vision of what I want to propose before uh, I even have the conversation, right? Yeah. So, so my intention is to create something of value for the world or for you as a partner that I genuinely believe is of value to you. Yeah. Right? So that's why I keep returning to this term sincerity. I, now I don't want to overuse the word, but... I think there's a way of, of thinking about business or thinking about partnerships or whatever, a community, that is, is intentional and is 
grounded in human values, shared human values. So right? Yeah. And it's, and if I do that, my assumption is that if I do that, you will see those human values and you will want the, to, to bring those human values to bear in the world too, right? Yeah. And 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 then of course, you know, uh, I don't know what we're proposing, but um, it starts there though. It starts there. Yeah, no, I really I mean there's a lot in there actually to unpack because also, I mean, with life beyond thinking, I kind of one of the core things is also what you said at the very beginning is that attachment. I, I do also very much subscribe to that in my experience. It's, you know, our thoughts attach us to a certain outcome and we try to control yeah. everything as one example to get yeah. to that outcome versus yeah. dancing with what happens. But, you know, there's, and I think there's a difference between being obsessed about controlling everything to get an outcome versus what you said of having a vision of, well, this is how I can be of service to you. This is how I can create value for you. And if that works out, great. And if it doesn't, then walking away is of equal value because you can't serve, there's no common vision. It's this concept of, I want to go back to human values. Um, yeah. Because there yeah. is a lot of one-on-one -on -one pack, everything from vision and creativity yeah. and consciousness and compassion and then truth and beauty but so let's go back to human values because mm. i kind of have a and again maybe i'm just playing you know intellectual games in my head to make you think i'm smarter than i am but it's like is the human condition what we should be aiming for or is it the spiritual condition because to me the human condition mm. Mm. is as much about you know, fear, control, fantasy, like all mm. the stuff that mm. creates problems of us on this yeah. plane, yet the spiritual connection, and for me, spirituality mm. simply means there's a connectivity between us to something greater. Yes. Uh, like yes. that's just my simple sort of the way that I view it, you know, so yeah, it's, so is it sort of spiritual concepts that we should be aiming for in that yeah. we're we're connected to this whole ecosystem and so yeah. how we should act is to elevate everyone including yeah. you know the yeah. planet and, and everything around it if that yeah. makes sense yeah i i mean so I, just to be clear on the human values part i get that uh, language and idea from it's very much like a Dalai Lama thing. Like yeah. when he when he talks about uh, basic human values, he's talking about um, compassion and uh, generosity and watering uh, watering the seeds uh, of, of of compassion and generosity and wisdom in 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 our lives and in the lives of of, of the people we. Inter interact with right love compassion wisdom generosity that th those those basic human values and you know his basic idea is that we can we can choose to water the the, the seeds of those values uh and they will grow yeah. just like if you pay attention to 
the gratitude, you know, everyone at this point has heard about a gratitude journal and cultivating gratitude in their life. And if you've practiced any gratitude exercise over some time, you, you, you become more gracious, you become more grateful that that's true, right? Because you're watering, you're, you're, you're pointing your attention and, and growing awareness around this idea. And, and, and the same thing, if we, if we paid attention to winning all the time um, and uh, ambition, you would, you would grow more and more ambitious and probably become a more competitive person and maybe sure. you'd win more. Right. It's and, kind of and, like elite sports, you know, that's sure. what they do 24 yeah, seven. Yeah, exactly. Very, exactly. very, very good in that narrow band. Exactly. And they need to do that. If you want sure. to perform at that level, right. Yeah. There's like kind of, that's a kind of a requirement, right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but I'm not operating at that level, uh, uh, in, in athletics, um, nor am I operating at that level in business, nor do I have an impulse or interest in, in that. Right. Yeah. And so for me, um, I don't, I don't necessarily call it spirituality. Um, though I totally appreciate the way you described it and defined spirituality by your definition, I am focused on my spiritual life and, uh, and growing, uh, uh, more, uh, spiritual, if you will, by your definition. That is uh, recognizing that uh, I'm connected uh, the, to you on some level and uh, the, the rest of the world, and I want to increase my understanding of that connection and increase my awareness of that connection and kind of work with that as best as I can, right? As right. In, in whatever way is appropriate, not in a not in a way like work with that like energy kind of thing and healing your body though i respect people who are who are into that and are are you know understand that that's not me uh i don't understand that uh but but more in the field of uh presence uh more in the field of listening generative listening mm -hmm. uh, i think i can bring my skills uh in terms of uh, the presence I've cultivated from my practice and my experience uh, and, and the listening uh, skills I've developed to, a, to the world in a way that might be generative, that is hopefully yeah. generative. Yeah. It's an interesting word, generative. What do you mean by that? And I'm not trying to be yeah. snarmy, but like, what do you, because I, I, I get a sense of it, but yeah. like, What's what do you mean by generative? Yeah, I mean, I in, uh, when I when I'm saying generative, I'm um, I'm saying that uh, okay, there's there's different degree. Let's just say listening. There's different levels of listening, right? There's one level of listening that feels like someone's hearing you, yeah. but there's maybe some broadband issues or connectivity issues. It's 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 fleeting or. Uh, and then there's listening where it's like, oh, wow, there's um, there's a connection. Then there's listening that's like, oh, wow, like I, I, I've I'm like in flow with yeah. this conversation. You don't like nothing else is really happening. Mm -hmm. And then there's listening at another level where we are so present together that we are able to build the conversation together yeah 
that's 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 the generative lever. Yeah, I love like, that. It's not about you thinking about the next thing you're saying or me thinking about the next thing I'm saying. You're literally at the edge of your seat trying to rock what's going down with me at the moment. Yeah. Really, really. And 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 then and and then there we, we kind of transcend the the traditional uh, the traditional conversation, which is much closer to the, yeah, the tr it's, yeah. It's, it's much closer to the first level that I was describing, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I think there's also because I, I I think I've had my moments where I'm you know in that concept of generative listening when I do when my morning routine mm. and it's kind of fallen off a bit recently, but like when that's really good and I know I can drop into it really quickly and that just stays with me the rest of the day. Yeah. Um, for me, that's kind of what I do. And how do I say it? Like there's been certain work calls where there's just tons of people on it and just really present. Everyone's got these different agendas and it's yes. trying to find a through line. And in a, I think it was Zen and the Art of Archery. One mm. of the lines that always stuck with me in that book was the guy said, your arrows don't hit the target because they don't go far enough spiritually. And it was, and this is sort of getting a little bit back to, I think, the vision concept that you talked about, like when you're, you know, present and with work, there is an agenda, you know, like there's an outcome that 20 people yeah. are on a phone call to get something done. And yeah. it's kind of like being present. How do you thread all of that together to find a path that everyone can kind of win almost like that we get yes. the outcome yes. um, on that vision side and then the other aspect if i've understood you correctly for me it's kind of like this concept of play like when we're kids and you're truly playing there's no strategy there's no agenda it's just doing with hey i found this rock let's play with this rock oh there's a plastic cup beside that you know let's play with that or you know whatever like there is yeah. no planned outcome it is just dancing with whatever is there for the yes. fun of it and following your nose yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's what um, I think. I think. I mean, like, I think all the work we do in getting to another level in whatever field we're in, all of that, I think, is about all the all the like basics, the ten thousand hours for shorthand yeah. that everyone understands. Yeah. Right? We do the ten thousand hours so that we can be artful. And that ten thousand and one, uh, you know, uh, our ten thousand and one, right? Like, like the jazz musician, uh, you know, we we do the practice, we do the rehearsal sessions, we yeah. practice our scales, so that when we get on stage and we look at each other, and 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 we can just say, okay, let's do this, and 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 you kind of have a structure, a basic idea of where you're going, yeah. but when you're really present and you 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 already trust each other and you know you have the skills to uh work your instruments in the way you do in that metaphor um you know it, it, sometimes it, it it's it's incredible and sometimes it doesn't work but i think business and and professional life can can be that way too right i mean i i i, I do lots of work before i get into the meeting i do yeah. lots of work before i do the presentation to set things up and make sure that everyone's got the same structure and we're, we agree that it's a three-minute song and not a, you know, a nine-minute yeah. solo, right? 
but but yeah. but uh, I think bringing a, a sense of play to the, the the moment is could be could be transformative. It, it could yeah. it could change the room. It could change the tone of the room. And surely bringing a sense of awareness or presence changes the room too, right? Yeah. It's like it's like there's something else going on when someone's really focused and paying attention. Absolutely. Right. And it's also like, you know, there's and those other moments where <clears throat> where you're talking to someone and you know they're not even there. And if they're always like that, like if yeah. it's a relationship, whether that's a parent yeah. or a, you know, a partner or whatever. Yeah. And that person's always thinking about what's next or what's going on. And yeah, you don't feel seen because yeah. they're not there. Totally. <laughs> and and that's where this whole concept of I don't feel seen is because no one's present, because everyone's like their thoughts are taking them into other worlds and lands and they're not present. So yeah. nothing's really, you know, created. Like life's not juicy if that yeah, 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 yeah. Because there, because there's no connectivity, right? Like the the, yeah. the, the, the connection is 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 uh, frazzled, right? So then, you know, there's an ex there's an yeah. exercise I uh, I I practice, uh, and I offer that to the people I care about uh, when I notice that it's like, wait a minute, are you even here? Like, yeah. um, the the exercise is it's like you ask yourself the question, what's happening now? Um, and it, and like, like literally that's the prompt. It's just like, you don't need to do anything else. It's just an invitation for someone else to check in with themselves. So what's happening now? It's simple. yeah. What's happening? What, what's happening now? Like, like, cause clearly you're in some other story. You're in a yeah. trance, right? You're on autopilot, whatever the metaphor you want to choose yeah. is. Right. Uh, and that's fine. It's not my job to to try and pull you out of it. My job as someone who cares about you is to try and skillfully let you know that it's apparent to me that you're not here too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I think you do want to be here, for, for example. Right. For like, sure. Right. Right. Like people mostly want to be there for you, particularly if it's loved ones. Right. Yeah. But they're somewhere else because they've been capsized by some some other story right they've been capsized like that that's that's a great expression they've been capsized by another story and it's true we get thrown out of the boat so with because you care about someone i want to loop back to something you said earlier about um the Dalai lama these concept of human values compassion mm -hmm. general generosity and wisdom compassion's I think a really interesting concept because people, again, it's one of these terms that people throw out there. Oh, we've got to be more compassionate. We've got to be this, or you know, or you're not compassionate, and I am. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I'm, I'm curious because I'll, I'll give you my thoughts after this, but I'm curious about you know from your point of view and your understanding about what really is compassion. And I'll, actually, here's another example. There was yeah. a, a Stanford expert researcher in compassion and i went to a talk um, of this person didn't know what he looks like but i knew his name and mm -hmm. true story i was lining up to go into this talk and this person just came barging through like just was just the most obtuse 
boy, like, just, I'm just like, who is this guy? Everyone around him was just like, what? Anyway, mm -hmm. and, you know, he went through in front of everyone and he was the researcher on compassion. And again, he was late and he had to get through, but even mm -hmm. talking to him afterwards, it was still his mentality with people. Like yeah. he wasn't, you know, there, yet he's researching compassion. So I was mm -hmm. just like, is that guy like <laughs> really that dialed in? Um, yeah. So I'm curious, yeah. Like, what yeah. is your understanding of compassion? Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, I, I don't, uh, <laughs> I, I think of myself as just some humble, uh, for sure. So I'm not trying to put you on the spot as like a world expert in Buddhism. Yeah. 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 No, 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 no. Different stages of understanding. No, I, 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 I appreciate it. I, 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 totally, totally. I, and, uh, sorry to make too many clause statements, but, um, I, I'll, uh, you know, for, for me, uh, the the practice of compassion is recognizing that um, people are suffering, and if if I can help them reduce their suffering in in the moment, uh, or uh, actually starting with if I can acknowledge that that they're that that they might just be suffering. That's compassion. That's the first step, right? Acknowledging that, um, like in that example, for example, yeah. you know, our conditioned response might be, I'm going to slow this fucking guy down because he's acting like a bulldog. Yeah. And I'm going to like, right? Like we, we might, I, I, I was a security guard. I, I was a U.S. Marine. I, I was trained to, to sort of have that response right. when some bulldog runs down. Uh, uh, you know, an audience. Yeah. I, I, I literally think, oh, maybe I should slow this person down. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, but, but, but like, that's not my default response any longer. My default response is, hmm, oh, it probably, he's probably, there's probably good reason that he's behaving yeah. that way. Yeah. Right. And, and so that's, that's a, maybe a more compassionate default response i'm not suggesting that's a the greatest example of compassion but i i think compassion is absolutely a spectrum right and it's 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 really just practicing or noticing that there's another way of looking at the world that's yeah. softer and kinder and 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 is more reflective of of maybe a tender heart than a closed heart I like that, um, especially versus the closed heart, because there's, and it sort of gets back to another word of generosity. And I remember like, I think, you know, you know, like I'm actually, it's starting to get close to eight years sober. And mm. I remember early in the journey, someone said something about generosity of spirit. And mm. anyway, it's just the truth. Like it really hit me and I kind of like, mm wow, I'm a bit of a miser in my generosity of spirit. You know, like it really was a reflection on me. They weren't having a dig at me, but they used that expression and it just kind of like made me stop and pause. Like, yeah, wow, am I really generous of spirit or is my kind of mindset taking, you know, like how do I extract, just yeah. completely extract. But yeah. So another example of one of the ways that I think about compassion 
principle of me just intellectualizing it again. But and this is a true story with a few, you know, I guess I'll soften some aspects, but it's essentially a true story, you know, and this happens all the time. Mm. Is um guy on meth in a crowded place with a knife going nuts. Mm. Or actually mm. I can't say he was on meth, but it turns out he was, but he was, you know, on drugs, like clearly yeah. on drugs, out of his mind, with a knife, threatening people, going nuts. Yeah. Police officer turns up by themselves, you know, like put the knife down, put the knife down, put the knife down. The guy, you know, comes at this police officer and eventually, you know, the guy gets shot and dies. And, you know, there's one response from one side that, you know, police officer, you know, like, you know, should have done all these other things, you know, and that police officer's bad. On the other yeah. side, it's, well, the guy was, you know, on drugs and with a knife and, you know, he deserved it. And then there's kind of, to me, there's kind of other questions are, well, what happened in that guy's life to lead him to that point? You know, like mm. there's someone that, lost his life and then there's kind of like well the police officers like trying to protect all these other people and themselves and you know they're put in impossible situations mm -hmm. and you know like that police officers got to live with that you know for the next forever for the rest of their lives and mm -hmm. you know and, I, and you hear stories of police officers saying like it took nine years for them to get over a situation like that you know mm -hmm. so there's not there's real implications of these things. And then also you, you see on the news that, oh, a police officer shot an unarmed person. Because I have a lot of, you know, I really take my hat off to police officers, especially in today's world, because they mm -hmm. pop a lot of grief. And I yeah. don't think it's, you know, there's always a spectrum. You know, there's always yeah. Yeah. Um, the odd bad egg or mistakes get made. But, mm -hmm. you know, and you also see on the news a lot, it's like, um, police officer shoots and kills an unarmed person. Yeah. And unarmed doesn't mean not dangerous. Unarmed doesn't mean, you know, there is not a threat. And mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that there could have been hours of negotiation or, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't provide yeah. any of the context. The more I'm going with this is the compassion is also is seeing that whole picture and having a deeper understanding and then also... To a degree, and I actually believe like we all have a part to play, like mm -hmm. in everything. If we're all connected and things are truly, truly connected, no matter what, we have a part to play in that situation, even if I'm watching it on TV. You know, so that's right. You know, that's right. Action beyond that, you know, like that, so that, yeah, me, that yeah, sort yeah. of compassion. I think there's. This thing, you know, there's a spectrum. There's people who just finger point and say, you need to be more compassionate. And then yeah, yeah, look, 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 look. Here's another way of saying it, right? Yeah. When we, we, we all, not we all, but many people in the West who are of a particular bent are comfortable saying we are interconnected. Uh, we are, uh, like, literally, yeah. science is showing that, uh, like, literally, that there's, sure. a, there's a chemical... Uh, connection between us as 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 a species and and all of this right yeah. so so then another way another metaphor is to say so then we we truly are all brothers and sisters in humanity and yeah. if that's true then the cops are our brothers and sisters too exactly. 
And what you're saying is like, uh, that's what I hear you saying. It's like, we can't, we can, we can't just have compassion for the victim in that case, the person without a gun who was committing sure. a crime. We must have compassion for the police officer too. Surely, yeah. surely. But, 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 but the tone, the tenor of the conversation is kind is kind of the furthest thing from that in the moment, Absolutely. right? The tenor of the conversation is there's this villain and it's actually not the criminal in that case, which was the old way of uh, telling a story about yeah. crime. It's now uh, the, the, the police officer is the, is the criminal, right? Yeah. And, and yeah, that's, that's it's kind of bonkers, right? Uh, particularly back to my original point, if we agree that we are, we should see each other as one humankind, <laughs> uh, yeah. Like like uh, aspirationally, if we're spiritual on the spiritual path, yeah, th that's what we should aspire to see the world as, right? And th then that means those those police officers are our brothers and sisters. Too, Absolutely, right? and so and this sort of is looping back to something else. So it's almost like, what's the end goal? You know what I mean? Because I. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Like of all these different religions, and you know, I'm not pretending I'm a theologian or you know, like I'm deep researcher, but you know, people talk about oh, I'm living spiritually or I'm doing this, and you know, like what's the end goal? You know, yeah, um, yeah, is it like what is the end goal? I don't know if you've got yeah. an answer. Like for me, it's, yeah, it's the best example is um, it was in a the founder of keto. Aikido, this Japanese martial mm. art, you know, his, I think he was genius. And, you know, he said, if someone, if you're walking down the street and someone attacks you, basically, and you don't defend yourself and they kill you, you are guilty of creating a murderer. Mm. And if you do defend yourself and kill them, then you're guilty of being a murderer. Mm. So his point of view and the this, whole sort of philosophy, yeah, philosophy is not the right word, but the practice of it is they believe that two seemingly you have a responsibility. That's that's skillful means exactly. Yeah, right. That's being skillful in that yeah. moment, right? Skillful means you have a responsibility to protect them and yourself. So yes, you kind of elevate both. Yes, you know, in my mind, exactly. Like, how do you elevate both? Exactly. So you have a responsibility, which sort of gets back. And how I'm trying to loop this back is, you know, that example of, you know, the media. And I'll, because I, I do want to talk about this, because the media, how they told the story in the past is criminal, bad, you know, got shot, deserved what he got. Now it's like yeah. police bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. Both are divisive and neither create a unified point of view. Exactly. So, exactly. They're not yeah. in the business of that. That that's not helping their agenda so much, is it? So, but that's interesting. So, what is their agenda then? You know, like what or what do you think? Why do you think that is? Because I kind of want to tease these topics out because, yeah, I'm, you know, like you, know, I've traveled a bit and I've mm. seen the media mm. only. They're not journalists anymore. To me, journalists were always people that looked at three hundred and sixty degrees as best they could. Yeah, um, that was my understanding of what journalism was, but now it's just right. one side of the story yeah. to achieve their agenda. So I'm just curious if if you have a hypothesis on what that is. 
or why that yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, my hypothesis is not original. It's 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 a uh, piggybacking on this pretty well known position that the business model of media in a digital economy demands attention, and when uh, like like advertising is driving the the whole business, and if we're not if they're not getting enough views, yeah. then their business model is, 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 is in crisis. So, so then uh, what I see the media doing in any, any culture, whether it's here in India or uh, in the US, is that they are literally playing to our most basis, the most base human impulses, yeah. which is that sort of fight or flight impulse and triggering us to anger and respond with great force, right? So all of the stories are shaped with the assumption that they want a reaction from us. And the reaction cannot just be a mellow or moderate reaction. It must be a forceful reaction, right? A yeah. forceful reaction that's forceful enough to share the story with someone else, to comment on the story, to read the whole story because it's infuriating, et cetera, et cetera, right? It's, it's, it's got to be that provocative. So do you, you've seen that all around the world? Like you said, I have seen it all, all around the world. I've I have not seen in the, in the 20 years that I've been traveling internationally. Plus I have not seen a place where it kind of feels like the, the media is, is trying to inform the community uh, about some A, B, C, D important things. It's, it's generally politicized. Yeah. Do you think there's um, an appetite for, because people seem in my mind, and there's a, there's a more cynical view that yeah. be, well, there's an agenda from the higher powers to keep people yeah. in fear and to keep them divided because fear mm. makes a lot of money as well. Yeah. Like not yeah. just yeah. 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 the yeah. media clicks, but if you're in fear and you're yeah. anxious, you're just going to, you know, like everything from drugs and alcohol to food and medication and, you know, like yeah. it's a lot of money gets generated. Yeah. Here yeah. 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 I mean, I don't, I don't know. I try and steer clear of the, I mean, I, I you know, I've, I've like in the past, I've liked Michael Moore's statement about uh, culture of fear in America, like way back 10 or 15 or 20 years, he made that statement. Um, and I, 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 think, I think he's right to a large degree, but I tend to find that that way of seeing the world back to this idea of being skillful, I don't think it's very helpful to, to, to say that, right? Would I say that in a room of... Would I, would I say that in a room of 12 people in a meeting? Mm -hmm. uh, no, I wouldn't. I, I, I don't think that would be a helpful thing to say that that, um, that, that, that X person is trying to create a culture of fear. That would only sow resentment and anger okay. with people yeah. in the room, right? So, so it's a great phrase. Uh, it's a provocative phrase. It woke me up. When he said it, I don't know. It was about one of his movies. I think he was bowling for Columbine. So, who was this? Michael Moore. Michael Moore, right? Yeah, right. yeah the guy with the hat. Uh, yeah. The big guy with the hat. Uh, but 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 anyway, I you know I I kind of feel like 
honestly, the media is something that I try and I, I, I'm at the point in my life where I literally try and minimize my interaction with online media and even uh even even magazines. I read the Wall Street Journal. I read the Economist. I read the New York Times. I, I find the New York Times really bad uh, lately. Gotten, uh, yeah, pretty ter pretty terrible. Yeah, uh, the Guardian. I read it. Yeah, I read it. It's terrible. Um, I find I I cherry pick for some good things, but generally, I feel the tenor and tone of media is really vile. I feel yeah. like it's the furthest thing from what we're talking about with, with, with watering uh, this, this, the basic seeds or the basic human values and, yeah. and the seeds of those basic human, it's the furthest thing from that, right? And is there demand? Well, I know like David Byrne is doing a news project that's about positive news and it's really cool and I checked it out a couple of times. You know, the singer, David Byrne, B-Y-R-N-E. Oh, really? Yeah, from, yeah, 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 yeah. From the Talking Heads. Wow. Um, and and there's lots of folks who are taking sort of a con a contra or counter take to media, which is like very positive. But but I think you know the mind wants to be surprised, and when the when when you tell me what every story is going to be about before I get to your news newspaper, yeah. Um, I'm 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 just less compelled to want to check it out on a regular yeah. basis, right? So you know, do good news is good, maybe, but I'm not reading it every day. I don't know about yeah. you, right? Yeah, some people might 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 drink it up. That's fine, but I, do I think it's a viable counterplay? No, it's not. I think I think we want a more balanced, honest, sincere play perspective that has has some level of integrity. And and the if if the agenda is more about uh, bringing us together, like if that's the intent, that would be pretty great, right? That would be pretty great. I don't I don't, but I don't I don't see it. I haven't seen the alternative. I will name name drop one media that I find the best tech media that I've read. It's called the Ken. It's based out of here. I think it started the here in Ken. Bangalore. The, K the Ken. K E N. Yeah, it's it's the best writing in tech. As far as I'm concerned, never even heard. Super of cool, um, honest, per personable, uh, kind of like blogging, but not blogging, uh, and really balanced takes on companies and people. That's really good. I've got to dive into that because I've actually also just, to be honest, moved away from like tons of. I haven't watched the news for for years and years and years. Like as a yeah. news on TV, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, and. Um, and even Silicon Valley and tech and, you know, the, it's, uh, there was an old VC, I can't remember his name now, I keep forgetting his name, he's still around, but, um, you know, he said Silicon Valley used to be about a bunch of smart people trying to solve really hard problems, yeah. and now it's just about a bunch of people that want to get rich at any, you know, essentially at any cost. So you have all these yeah. things that are created that really don't generate that much real value. You know what I mean? Like that don't move the world forward. And I guess forward's a subjective thing because everyone's got their different different view on it. Um, but it's also, you know, like I've, and it sort of gets back to this other thing, I'm sort of looping around here back to the can and media because, you know, the truth 
And I think it was Jordan Peterson that I heard say this, and I really, really like it because I just think he's, I think he's on point with a lot of things, not everything necessarily from my point of view. But, you know, when he said this, I'm like, that's it. It said, he said, a, a set of facts is not the truth. The truth is all these different perspectives and a conversation coming into a certain point or situation because we've all got different experiences of life that are coming in. You know, it's just like that police officer example. There's all these different, the truth is not, you know, just a one line fact. The truth is all this context that goes around it. The world is so divided. People are in these buckets like, you know, hard left or hard right or you know absolute this or absolute that and they just can't see anyone else's point of view yeah. you know can that get resolved or do they just that's their path and you know they've got to suffer enough until they change yeah. you know is that is that just it so it really sort of gets into do we just focus on creating the new and let those people get to their bottom until they go this is not working or do you try yeah. and interrupt yeah. those people? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I try and just stay focused on, I think, I think that it's easy to, it's easy to get s pulled into uh, some world that is just some set of stories. And uh, whether it's, you know, the story about the media today or the story about government or the story about whatever is burning the, the, the environment, yeah. uh, degrading. Um, I, 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 I want to, I want to understand some of the issues as best as I can, but I mostly want to stay close to what's in front of my nose right. in my life and recognize that, you know, I, I, I kind of recognize the, I recognize that like whatever my influence in the world is, 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 is right in front of my nose, I love that. you know? And, and, and so my, my focus is on being present with the people that are in front of my nose or being present with the in, e e emails that are in my inbox and what you know like and the and the people that are that are that are calling me and the the handful of people that are that i want to call in yeah. my life like when i do that i've noticed that when i do that i feel more connected to the whole world i what one i feel more whole whatever that means i don't know what it means but yeah. i do feel more integrated or more yeah. whole Number one, I do feel more connected to the, the, the human race or the species. Yeah. I do when I stay close to what's in front of me. And, yeah. I, and I, don't, I don't try and overreach. I'm not, a, I'm not a writer for the New York Times. I don't want to be a writer at the New yeah. York Times. I, I'm not writing for the New Yorker. I don't want to write for the New Yorker. Yeah. I'm not that person. I, I'm a person who has his 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 uh his projects and his 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 uh his lifestyle and I'm like you know what I want to believe that we're going to solve I'd rather you know I had this idea the other day where uh I was reading the guardian and there was it was this like absurd 
headline about the world burning up. <laughs> it's like literally a fireball yeah, of the earth kind of thing, right? Right. And, so and uh, yeah, and 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 I, I looked at it and I, I kind of like I read it twice. I took a screenshot of it because it was just so absurd. Like, how did anyone let someone write this headline? Like, yeah. it would have been criminal when we were in eighth grade. Yeah. If someone wrote that headline and had that image, right? Because it's literally doing exactly, it's fanning the fire of fear yeah. in the readership, right? And, and so I, I was just thinking about it. I was like, on one hand, okay, maybe it's true. We are going down like they suggest in this headline. And mm -hmm. that's okay. If that's true, that's okay. Uh, if like truly it's okay. Like I literally can't do shit. I am not inventing the next technology that's going to pull carbon from the atmosphere. Yeah. That's not me. So, so, so all I can do is be an optimist and hope that the person that wants to save the, who has that capacity, that science, uh, that scientific skill set, mm -hmm. and wants to contribute to humanity, that they are so motivated to go do that. And when I look at those uh, next generation technology projects, I see these people going after that yeah. and trying to build those systems that are reducing carbon and, and on and on and on. And, and I have to focus my attention on those people and those ideas. I cannot focus my attention on the asshole who went into the meeting and said, the whole building is going to burn on fire. Yeah. Like, how is that person motivating anyone in that meeting with that phrasing, with that, with that, with that language? How is that skillful? What, what, how is that helpful? There's zero helpfulness in that in that headline. I mean, I, I'm not giving the exact headline, but it was something like, you know, uh, climate scientists say uh, 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 it's inevitable and uh, it's even worse than we thought kind of thing, right? I, yeah. I don't remember the exact phrasing. I'll, I'll send it to you if you want to put it in the show notes. But, but, but I've read it and I just thought like no one, whether you're an eighth grader running for school president mm -hmm. uh, or like, you know, the, the school council, or you're a, a little league coach, or you're a, a small business owner, none, no leader would say that to their constituents. But they are. It, that's, just, that's the challenge, they, though. They are, and it's kind of... And, and it's Mickey Mouse. And we to ignore... They are, but, but what are we going to do about it? They're doing it because they need to do it. They, they believe that that's the best way to preserve their business model, right? Yes. Right. Okay. Fine. Then, then, then we have a choice to uh, support their business model or not. Or not. And we have a choice to either uh, engage with them or not. And I'm going to choose to not. And this, you know, leads back to the other thing that you said about doing what's in front of my nose. You know, is where I can have the most influence on the world. And it gets back to that story of like, if you, I think, I don't know, was it Joseph Campbell that said, if you want to change the world, change yourself. Um, you know, like, and that's it. It's, it's always from the inside out. And I truly believe that because, <clears throat> and even this concept of climate change, and we're going down to, you know, people just keep using that term. And I'm like, what if we called it environment change? I'm not saying anyone's going to do this, but like mm. environment change is, you know, I was out for lunch yesterday and this whole group of, uh, I was on the weekend and, this whole group of friends walked into the restaurant. They sat down. Every single one of them was about five or six of them. They all pulled out their phones and sat there and looked at their phones. Mm, <laughs> and, mm, and, you know, just kind of ate their food looking at their phones. 
Yeah, and yeah. so like that to me is environment change as much yeah. as what I do and what yeah. I observe. And, you know, am I supporting these business models? Am I not? And even, you know, putting carbon back in the ground, there's other scientists that are saying now that it's got nothing to do with carbon, it's got to do with um, the Earth's electromagnetic field. Well, I don't know if that's true or not, but these mm-hmm. other points of view are not right. allowed to be surfaced because there is no right. conversation. Um, right. And then there right. was another guy who I saw this a few years ago, did all this research, and I'll find the name of the book and put it in the show notes, but did all this research with scientists and some Nobel laureates and da 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 and said, okay, you know, and this was like, if it is the carbon in the atmosphere, mm. we can actually put all of that back in the ground in the next like 30 years or something if mm. we do two things, stop wasting food, 30% of the world's food is wasted. So the energy mm. resources that go into that and yet yeah. land better. Yeah. Know, like, because there's a biomass in the soil and that mm. can, you know, and trees and mm. plants, and you know, if we manage land better, like they've done the research, like it can all get put back in the ground if it was carbon. Yeah. And then, you know, and again on the environment, you know, how our environment changes, like if we called it environment change, I mean, then you've got the water and the plastics in the ocean and all these other issues, mm. you know, versus, you know, <laughs> I think it was Jordan Peterson said, yeah, well, the world's been getting warmer since the last ice age, <laughs> which, you know, mm. it's true. I mean, in the scale of time, it's very hard to prove these things. Absolutely. Right. And science to me is just a very narrow view or you know it's a very thin slice of the pie because they can't control for everything um, yeah but anyway it's you know so maybe that's actually a really really good point it still gets back to that a point sort of to start to wrap things up because i'm, I'm also conscious of time that's it gets back to sort of where we started at the beginning about being really present the founder of keto he said my whole life is now like don't escape into the past don't run into the future yeah. Uh, now is the time of life. So if we're present, we can respond in a way that elevates people and things, and that's how we have the biggest impact on the world is cleaning up our own life. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, right? It, it, it's like I mean, the, the underlying logic is, I mean, like l- let's let's unpack the the real logic the the underlying logic is that if you are bringing uh uh a consideration of basic human values to each moment and you are try you are you know that your intention is to be skillful in how you navigate and move forward in the world then naturally Whatever arises in the moment, you will contend with that, and you will be good. Like, like, isn't that the best? It, when you really think about it, like all of your planning in all of your years, <laughs> all of those no- notebooks, yeah, uh, and all of mine. I'll just say use mine no, as no, an no, example, so I don't, I don't seem like I'm pointing at yours. No, uh, but all, 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 all of mine, all of my, all of my notebooks, all of my plans, yeah, all of my aspiration stories, whatever. Like those are the, it's 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 all fine. It's all great. I'm working out what's happening in my mind. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Um. But, and 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 some 
and some of them, some of those stories have 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 actually played out, uh, and and have been positive. Some have not played out. Most have never played out. Yep. Um, and and that's okay. And that was you know that's one paradigm. Another paradigm of 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 moving through the world is trusting that if you are bringing your presence and attention to what's in front of you in the now the rest is gravy because this is gravy yeah. like right now is gravy <laughs> like whatever whatever we're worried about about later or tomorrow is is that but, but right now this is gravy this is this is groovy it's like if you're breathing you're winning right if you're breathing you're winning <laughs> right I mean, I'm I'm really not trying. I'm not trying to be woo woo about it. I'm 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 being like really pragmatic. I was raised to be pragmatic. My parents are pragmatic people. It's like there's a model of the world that you can plan and plot and conquer, and that's fine. Maybe it's appropriate if if you do that in a thoughtful way. Okay, fine. And mm. and there and then there's another model that's like. Mm. A real time model, and, and uh, you know, it's like in real time, I'm gonna be here right now, and and I'm I'm equipped like the jazz player. Yeah, I'm equipped to take this where it it, it needs to go. There's, you know, yeah, absolutely. There's, and I think those two models are really interesting, and a hundred percent to your point. Like I've got over the years, like endless notepads, and you know, looking back on it, you know, some of it's. You've got to sort through your thoughts and what's the value on a, you know, if it's a work thing. But sure, so much of it was just trying to connect all the dots forward and control everything so that I get what I want, you know, which is kind yeah. of part of that attachment. And all it was was just me spinning my wheels. And I just would have been so much further ahead if I'd just gotten on with it and learned day by day and, you know, got more skillful. At, you know, to your point, got more skillful at the practice of being present. But it was sort of, and, and again, I think it's Joseph Campbell in Hero of a Thousand Faces. He talked about, you know, you can be like King Minos who can build an empire of renown through titanic effort, but his inner world was a wasteland. You know what I mean? It was like, you know, that yeah. attached to, yeah. I'll build this thing to get this, yet inside yeah. you're dying. Because yeah. you've cut everything else out to get this thing. And then even yeah. then, there's still a lot of luck involved to a degree because we don't control everything. We control right. very little. We only control our right. response. Right. Um, right. So, and then I, that also loops back to, to me, like that sporting analogy, these elite athletes. <clears throat> and I think of Formula One. I'm sort of watching a lot of Formula One at the moment. And, you know, like just all the teamwork and all the different things that have to come together, yet yeah, there can still be these moments of bad luck on the track, you know, or, mm -hmm. you know, mechanic, mm -hmm. like certain things can happen. Mm -hmm. But I don't say it like they have a vision of winning, but they're still responding moment to moment. You know what I mean? It's just yes. practice yes. of yes. being incredibly moment to moment present so they can yes. respond in the best possible way. It's yes. not... And that's it. Like, it still gets back to that moment-to-moment -moment response. Yes, yes. Yeah, I'm reading this book um, by this guy named Arthur Brooks, um, who was a Harvard is a, is a Harvard professor still, and it's about it's called From Strength to Strength, and it's about he talks about 
this striver, the 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 striver character, and how strivers, the people who are so motivated in their early life, yeah, um, and are j- typically, uh, you, you know, they're they're what he calls fluid intelligence. We have high levels of fluid intelligence in our early years, and then as our fluid intelligence ebbs, we reach sort of a peak in say, let's say our forties. Um, we moved to another wave, which is like crystallized intelligence. That mm-hmm. is all of the compounding knowledge turns into wisdom and, or, you know, hopefully yeah. turns into wisdom, which is what's wisdom. Wisdom is seeing what's most important, <laughs> right? Like it's like a kind of shorthand for wisdom, right? Like the most important thing is, is like the, 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 the wise view. Right. Yeah. And, and so, uh, but basically what he s- suggests is that, the the striver has a really hard crash when it comes to midlife right because that striver that was just going from one success to the next success to the next success eventually i mean eventually everyone crests yeah. right whether you're an athlete or yeah. an intellectual your research papers that you were pumping out in your 30s are, you're not doing the same volume in your 40s, yep. generally. And, and the startups that you ship in your 20s and 30s are not, you're, you're not doing that job in your 40s and 50s, yeah. right? So in the context of our cohort, I think that it's kind of this moment where people are grappling with uh, this idea of what is the paradigm? What is the framework in which they're looking at their their world looking at what's in front of their nose and going after it how are they how are they doing that right like how, how do you how might we how might our pursuit of life change at a certain point in our life it, it it should if we're if we're if we're looking at biology and the limits of our biology it's only adaptive to change yep. <laughs> right in, in our 40s and 50s to, to a more uh, crystallized intelligence, uh, wisdom-oriented approach to life, right? We should, uh, in, in practical terms, we should be teaching people. We should be guiding people in our uh, third quarter of our, yep. of our life, right? Naturally, as it's as old as the hills, right? But, but some of us get stuck doing the same, you know, in the same sort of patterns of behavior and the same expectations, from ourselves, which, which kind sure. of creates... I mean, I've definitely been there. And uh, I think, you know, I'm shifting gears yeah. on this very, very point right now. Um, and there's been a lot of acceptance around that. <clears throat> As in, like, looking back and accepting things are really changing. You know, for me, just personally, just my worldview, yeah. my, yeah. you know, what I want to do next. And, um, yeah. and that acceptance is... It's very freeing because it's it's kind of also facing reality and there's no acceptance is an interesting term because I think it's also accepting yeah. the truth of it all into your field. There's nothing disowned and it's it's back to being present. So all of yes. that knowledge and experience comes with you. Um, yes. versus going back trying to fix it or trying to get different outcomes. Um, correct, correct, yeah. right, correct. Yeah, and you don't have to hold on to it all kind yeah. of with the with the white knuckles, right? Yes. And and by the way, that's what I'm most excited about your work. Um, 
uh, like that's what excites me most about your work. I think that our cohort, I'm, I'm 49 this year. I think you're somewhere in there, right? A couple uh, years old. Yeah. Yeah. But like, you know, um, the people I talk to are, I was lucky to, on some level, I was lucky to find uh, a practice and, uh, you know, meditation and mindfulness and going on retreats and all that, 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 that work that eventually worked for me. It was really hard in my early years. Like, let me be clear. Yeah. Like the first 10 years of sitting was, was really hard. I, I, I knew I needed to keep going in my practice, but it wasn't easy at all. It was like, it was, it was, it's for, it's for another conversation. We can talk about sure. it. But, but um, my point is I feel lucky to have a reference point uh, that I can lean back on as a set of principles to think about the world and, and kind of grounds me, this grounds me. I don't say I'm yeah. Buddhist, but I still can hold on to some of these ideas. I can reference the Dalai Lama. Uh, that's free. You know, <laughs> I could still be, I was raised Catholic. I, I'm not, um, bastardizing the Pope by referencing oh. the, the, the Dalai Lama. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but like, I think we need, uh, we need to have that conversation about how we're viewing the world and navigating the world in the third quarter of our lives. Yeah. And we need to, we need people to, to, to talk about how they're doing it so that there's a reference point for us. Cause otherwise it's just like, I'm here in Bangalore. Who am I talking to about this? A hundred percent. And it was right. Like, You're in Panama community as well. Like who right? is your community? You know, yes. and, you know, it's, there's a, it's, you know, it's a popular thing about, you know, the five people you hang around the most is what your life is going to become. People are getting educated now on, on the internet and social media and, yes. you know, versus yes. the wisdom of the elders and the wisdom of you know, exactly like parents. And truly, truly, think, truly. It's however corny that might sound. It's not corny. No, it's actually true. And I, I think about this a lot because there's those traditional, I don't like using the word traditional values, but those, you know, pieces of wisdom from your grand. The basic like, human values. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Basic yeah, yeah. human values, but also like how they eat, how they structure their day, like when meals were, like there's. Oh, yeah. The rituals, the, ri rituals. the rituals. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. They evolved. There's intelligence in there. There's Massive tens of thousands of years, tens of thousands of years, right? Exactly. And we seem yes. to like thrown a light out because we've got a pill for this and a this for that. And we can yes. anything from a store anywhere. And yes. that's a better way to go. Yet if you look at the population from a health point of view, we're not doing well physically, yes. <laughs> you know, yes. like biologically, and we're not doing well mentally. Like there's a mental health crisis, there's an obesity crisis, there's a diabetes yes. crisis, there's a heart disease crisis. Yeah. And it still comes back to those old school rituals and values yes. as things that work. Um, yes. It's just yes. kind of that sense. Yes, yes. And, and that's why when I say, um, when I was saying about, um, it's kind of taboo to even say it. I, I noticed myself feeling a little like sacrilege talking about climate change or uh, the media and, and like opting out of that 
Uh, I was saying that because um, I'm in touch with the fact that I'm in touch with my real influence in the world. I am not letting the perception because I can publish something on the internet and it can reach <laughs> six, 6 billion people. I don't pretend that that's going to happen. That's a, an illusion the, 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 the media environment creates an illusion for us that suggests we have all this power. Yeah. Uh, media media power sure, sure. we have a lot of power i think yeah. but 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 it's not in the in the way that 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 the most people think about it, right it's not about uh <laughs> it's not about being part of every conversation as if you know what you're saying in every yeah. conversation about the environment and about uh media and about every important topic ukraine it's not that there are experts who are have been studying their whole lives yep. to talk about that. Yeah. Because I can talk about that doesn't mean I should. Yes. I'm being skillful by not having that conversation. I, I should focus on what's in front of my nose. I should focus on the things that I actually know about and have experience with. Right. And yeah. and if we did that and we were honest about that, I think we would feel better. Absolutely. It, it, you know, our friendships would be richer. We wouldn't feel so obliged to be having these half-baked conversations about these uber-complex topics that we're not skilled enough to have conversations about. It's, it's almost as if just because we have a podcast or we have a blog or we have Facebook, now we have to talk about Everything. all of this complexity. No, we don't, actually. We're going to, you know, it's like probably better that you're doing what you're doing. You're talking to the people you've met in your life and have worked with and on and on and on about the things you care about. That's yeah. great. We should do that more, right? Like we're hungry for that. Yeah. Like we're hungry for that sincerity. We're hungry to hear about your rituals, you know, and, and what you mean by that and the people whose rituals you follow. Like we're hungry for that. Really, really. That basic stuff that yeah. seems so basic is actually kind of like so valuable. This and I think that's why the YouTube thing has blown up. All the channels that are really instructional and educational and helping people see, uh, th there's the positive side of it too, where there are For people sure. who are really brilliant and are really uh, brilliant educators and instructors and are, are showing us and not just telling us what they know and what they've learned and what they've experienced about their culture. And it's like, oh my God, I get access to that. That's amazing. I was just watching a guy who's, who has a channel on ter terrariums, you know, the plants in, in yeah, glass, yeah, yeah. like goldfish. Yeah, that's right. God, I haven't seen one of them for ages. And, and, and I was like, I, I, I'm enthralled by it. It's like, he's my favorite channel of the week kind of thing, right? Yeah. This nerdy guy who's like showing me how to build a terrarium. That's cool. That's social media too, yeah. right? Right. So we can't. We, I don't want. I don't want to throw it out with the bath. The baby with the bathwater. I, I just kind of want to have a an approach to it that's like grounded in some philosophy, some idea, you yeah. know, some values, and stick stick there. Right. Stay close to that. I love that. That's great. I think that uh, a little bit. I'm going to go and reflect on that more because you know I understand. Like I search all these things and I watch these things. 
you know, on YouTube as well. And, you know, as you know, it's kind of like with Life Beyond Thinking, I've sort of gone around and around, like, you know, like trying to narrow it down onto the, you know, the essence of what it is because it's this big encompassing thing that explains suffering and how to get out of it and da 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah but I, I, uh, I love that. Maybe we should come back and do another one because I would love to talk about particularly these traditional values and rituals and how they apply in a modern world, because I just think there is incredible genius in them, like right down to thank you and please. And 100%. Stuff like that. Maybe we should come back and do another one around that because I'm conscious of time. We've been on here a bit. And, yeah. And, and I was yeah. Where you are, so. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. it. Thanks for uh, having me. Billy, thanks very much, mate. And uh, we will connect soon. Sounds great. Thanks, Rob. That was it. And a quick note before we break is in the upcoming episodes, we've got the leader of the freedom movement in Australia, which is now taking on some new directions and some global initiatives. Fascinating talk about her and her background before all of this started and also particularly where they're going. And we've also got a, a chat with one of the most successful sporting coaches in the world, in my opinion, of possibly any sport and uh, some really interesting life insights in sport performance and it's also directly related to our lives so stick around subscribe and um, we'll chat soon take care and have a great day